I think we could see a, a kind of a change in this team. If we see that, I'll be very excited about it. If we see the same old, no one's really getting each other psyched up on the sideline and, and people are just going to show up because we got a G on the helmet and win, then I'll be really worried about what happens the rest of the season. The final score was 26-24. Georgia surprisingly pulled out a win, which many observers might agree could have easily turned into a devastating loss. The Dogs, with the first-year head coach and a freshman starting under center, struggled mightily at times on offense, but in the end, put it in the hands of their trusted running back to help seal the victory. But wait, although similar, this box score is not from the Georgia Nickel State game. I'll give you a minute to ponder while I continue my introduction. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall and I am joined today as usual by my two co-hosts Will Leach of SportsOnEarth.com and Tony Waller of the Georgia Sports Blog. This is episode 50 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Quite a milestone for us and we thank you all for listening and spreading the word about our show. Today is the post-game recap of the Georgia Nickel State game that took place on September 10th, 2016 at Sanford Stadium. Now, in my opening statement, I was not referring to the win this past Saturday. I was referring to a game that Georgia won 15 seasons ago. The score, 26-24, was exactly the same. The feeling from the fan base, completely different. In the game I was referring to, Mark Richt was the first-year head coach. David Green was the freshman starting under center, and Veron Haynes was the trusted running back that helped seal the victory over the Volunteers in Knoxville. Granted, they both go down in the record book as wins for Georgia. One game will forever be remembered thanks to Larry Munson's famous hobnail boot call, while the other one, well, is quite simply a game the Bulldog Nation would prefer to soon forget. I hope you enjoyed my attempt to channel my inner Paul Harvey. Now, here's Will to get us started. Hey, so guys, Georgia won! Georgia won yesterday. I'm very pleased. They're 2-0. They are four wins away from a bowl game. Their national championship hopes still intact. Everything is wonderful. I'm not even sure what more there is to talk about because Georgia won yesterday. Okay. Good talk, guys. Go dogs. Take care. Um, So that was disastrous, (laughs) I have to say. Uh, We were all there. Uh, It was very hot, (laughs) to say the least. I think you can make an argument that the only thing that wasn't really miserable about yesterday is the fact that they somehow did not lose. Uh, But they played terrible. To me, one of the most worrisome things about them playing terrible, there were two uh, worrisome things. One was they just made such a ton of little mistakes that were just boneheaded for no reason, just mental lapses. But to me, perhaps the more worrisome part, I actually think they got blown off the lines on both sides by a team that let's not, you know, to, to, to quote Tony, let's be clear here. This is not just an FCS team. This is an FCS team that is like 9 and 48 over the last five years. This is a really bad one. Tony, start us off. What in the world happened? Our offensive line is not playing great right now. I mean, I, I look, we have a – our offensive line is not playing well. We have a transfer from Rhode Island that has come in and has taken the starting right tackle, the left tackle job from everyone else that would be up for it. And he – I mean, I like the guy. Apparently strong. He's a good motor guy, blah, blah, blah. But – he has really slow feet. There were half a dozen instances where he just, when I say he whiffed, he whiffed. 
I mean, there was one time he was just on the ground. The guy just – he didn't even really swim move him. He just like stepped out of his way and he fell. That's a problem. I mean, you know, but this is one of those games where you – I think we're going to look back and who knows. I mean, it, I still think 9-3 and three feels right even sitting here today. But the thing about this team is that, you know, we, we have a new, court, new coach. Uh, we have a lot of young players and we played like a team with a new coach and a lot of young players yesterday. Yeah, football is the ultimate team sport. I mean, that's a cliche that's been ridden for years, and you can't just flip a switch. You know, and you were waiting, you thinking like, okay, it's end of the first quarter, we've got a touchdown, and you know, we're ready to blow them out and get to forty points and put it in cruise control. But it was probably one of those things where after, and I think Kirby mentioned it in one of his post game notes, he was worried once the rankings came out on Tuesday, and he noticed that the players saw that they were ninth in the nation, and I. Bet you dollars to donuts that the players just kind of figured they could just roll it out, roll their helmets out, show up, and be able to just dominate a team. And obviously, with the young team, new coach, brand new quarterback, a bunch of receivers who haven't really ever contributed that much, just simply can't be done. And I I, I follow all that, and I'm with you. But if there were ever a team that you were playing where you would just be able to roll out the helmets – this is the team you should be able to do it. Like this is Nickel State is a really terrible team. Like this is not <clears throat> this is not Louisiana Monroe even. This isn't even Troy. You know, this is well, this is the Troy of FCS is what this well, is. Well, let's let's wait and find out how they are this year. I mean, <laughs> there's it's possible that we're not great. I mean, oh, yeah, that's a that's, possibility, that's, right? That's that's the so, possibility. That's so, uh, that's what I'm saying is that like this idea like well, they were just a mental lapse and they really should have concentrated more. I absolutely totally agree with that. But also this team's really bad. <laughs> like this team is a really bad FCS team and that is to me that's the worrisome part is this isn't this isn't even Appalachian State. You know, this isn't uh, Illinois State beating Gokuts uh, Northwestern yesterday. Like that is a great FCS team. This is a lousy one. To me, like even if you're down, you should still be able to beat this team by 20 points. And what's perhaps most concerning about it is even that the even during that little run where they where uh, McKenzie had the touchdown and then they had the they I think it was Carter that had the uh, the fumble return of the, for, for the touchdown. Even during that little run, those were kind of fluke plays. The McKenzie play was on a third on a third down where they were in trouble. And listen, I don't know about you guys, but that third down throw from Lambert, by the way, we'll get into that. That third down throw doesn't come through. They very well lose this game. And that is huge, huge alarm bells that I would argue are more than just, yeah, they weren't up for the game. No, I think you're right. I think there are a lot, there's a lot about this game that, I mean, we, we may well look at this game in November and look back and say, well, we saw, we saw this coming. And we may well look back at this game and, and say, this is what happens when you actually don't play to the top of your ability. I mean, it really did feel like there was a lot of that. Hey, we're tenth ranked in the country. We're just come out of steamroll, steamroll these guys, and we've seen teams do this before. I mean, you know, that's I, I'm not I'm trying to make excuses for only winning by two points against Nickel State. Uh, I don't, I'm not one of those people that can never happen because you know it's a 18 to 22 year olds with a pointy football that can happen. But you know, it also is illustrative of the bigger point that I was making a minute ago is that you know we still have a young team and. It, it while it's definitely Jimmy's and Joe's, and I think we won because our Joe's are better ball players. Kirby and his staff got out coached and out prepared. No matter what we say about the team, they got out coached and out prepared because there's nothing they could do to get our talented players 
to to get their heads in the game in a way to change what they're doing. They started pressing. We I, I thought we we our play calling left a lot to be desired. Um, I felt like we played an awful lot to not lose, as opposed to just like you know let's let's go out there and win a ball game. And that's uh, over time. I think that's one of those things that that will improve. But we do that against Tennessee. We lose forty five fourteen. If we if we play the way and coach the way we played yesterday, we lose to Tennessee forty five fourteen. Right, and Tennessee looked pretty good. They had a nice bounce back last night in the, in Bristol. So you're absolutely right yeah. on that. Yeah, and the thing thing is, is Tennessee they they started out looking really not good, and they got they actually got their act together. I mean, they were down fourteen nothing in a hurry. Yeah, uh, and then suddenly they they got they got that one break. Um, you know, to to get to a bigger point though, is both teams kind of. They they struggled. I mean, George didn't have a two sustained drive. Nichols had one sustained drive. All of Nichols' scoring, with the exception of that one long drive, came from uh, Georgia miscues inside their own thirty. Yeah, seventeen uh, points off turnovers. Right. The first was a touchdown. Give Nichols a credit. I mean, the first one was the Nick Chubb fumble. I, I'm pretty sure that that led to the um, the Nichols State first touchdown, and then they they had a nice drive in the second quarter, uh, and then. You know they returned an interception, and, we'll, and like I said, we'll get to the Easton Easton's play and in, in that play in particular in a few minutes. But the fact that we held them to a field goal there ended up being a, a, a difference in the game. But that was a pretty nice defensive stand. And then you know, we fumbled the ball inside the ten again, and that's just you allow a team essentially three short fields. And yeah, we scored a touchdown on a fumble just like that. You're you're going to be in a dogfight. It doesn't really matter to it, to me. It doesn't really matter who the team is. You know, it's funny. I referenced this when I was talking to Scott uh, during the game and after the game. Uh, of course, of 2007. Of uh, I know I love we love it when I make uh, Kirby Smart Alabama analogies. Of course, 2007. That was the famous game where Nick Saban, in his first year, lost at home to Louisiana Monroe, the highest paid coach in FBA football, losing to the lowest code paid coach in, uh, in FBS football. And for what it's worth, let's have a, let's have a little Nick Saban moment. <laughs> Here's what Nick Saban moment. Here's what Nick Saban said after that game. Changes in history usually occur after some sort of catastrophic event. It may be 9-11, which changes, sort of changed the spirit of America relative to a catastrophic event. Pearl Harbor got us ready for World War II or whatever, and that was a catastrophic event. And I don't think anyone in this room would have bet that we'd lose back-to-back games in Mississippi State or ULM. No disrespect to either one of those teams. So at the very least, winning this game kept Kirby Smart from saying something like that. So we have that advantage. Uh, but that thought did occur to me that like this, like, you know, that saving parallel of, of this potential nightmare loss. And, the f- and listen, let's not forget how close this game came to a loss. You guys have been around Georgia football a lot longer than me. This would have had to have been the worst loss in franchise history. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I mean, we, we mentioned it on the podcast on uh, Wednesday of Jim Donnan's first home game, how he lost to Southern Miss 11 to seven. And that creeped in my mind. And, of course, this would have been far worse than that with new coach uh, coming in. You know, Kirby coming home. They did all the pomp and circumstance before the game, and it felt great. And then the the, the air was let out of the balloon. Maybe it was just the heat. I don't know. I mean, that's a terrible analogy because everybody was hot. But you just – it was palpable to feel the deflation of the team. And, you know, everybody's, like, looking around going, like, who's going to make a play, guys? I mean, this is kind of ridiculous because <coughs> Michael Chigbu is dropping passes – uh, we had some of our tight ends dropping passes again. Plays were just not being made. The only guy that really seemed to step up was Trent Thompson, who was an absolute beast. And if it weren't for him, we'd probably lose this game yesterday. 
Yeah, in, in, in thinking about that in that same vein, I think we actually did ourselves a disservice in how quickly we drove down and scored because I think that caused the team to relax a little bit and that, you know, it was a different team after that first drive. I mean, we saw a different Georgia team on the field. As crazy as that sounds, we saw a different Georgia team. Again, this loss we can grouse about. I keep calling it a loss. <laughs> and they won because it just it felt like such a loss. What did we take away? I mean, listen, it's kind of crazy to think that this is the game that this was the first game that Nick Chubb started and did more than 100 yards against Nichols or Nichols State or whatever the hell they're calling it now. What did you guys think of Eason? I have to say Eason did not look – he didn't even – not only did he not really play as well, he didn't even look as composed as he was in North Carolina, that North Carolina game. He, he looked to me a little bit more jittery uh, than kind of that inherent comfort level I thought he had in the Dome. I think he made some really nice throws. I, I saw him check down a few times. I think the concerning thing, and I, I wonder, and I'd be interested to take your take on it, on the play where he threw the interception, he didn't come back in, and I wonder if he checked out of a play into that play, and then of course turned around, and he, I mean, it was his worst throw of the day, I mean, he threw way behind Blazevich, way behind Blazevich, and he, he had a couple throws that were behind the receivers, including the one Chigbu, one of the Chigbu uh, throws inside the five, and Chigbu should have caught the ball, it hit him in the hands, but he still threw behind, but I wonder if that was, uh, I wonder if he checked out of a play in a, into a different play there, did, did either of you two have that takeaway? I couldn't tell, but I but the thought crossed my mind. He was getting hit a lot. In fact, I don't know if it was before or after that play, but a guy came in right at his knee and buckled him, almost like how Tom Brady was uh, hit, what, three or four years ago by the Chiefs uh, lineman. And he kind of got up slowly and walked it off, you could tell. And I, I was kind of scared a little bit after he got up because that was a nasty hit on his knee. He could have just been a little bit gun-shy. I mean, I'm not going to put actions into his uh, play. I, I can't, of course, get into his uh, mind mindset during the game, but I think it was a compounding issues from the lack of inspiration play, the poor passes, and then he was getting hit thanks to our O-line not keeping those guys off of him. So suddenly this Missouri game, and we'll obviously we'll preview uh, the game this week. By the way, I'll be with you guys this week. I don't, no, sorry yeah. I missed the show last week. Uh, if, it's, if it works for you guys, I think we discussed the idea of being able to do it. Because I saw you guys all the tailgate yesterday. Whew, it was hot, by the way. Like I was, there was, I, this is my fourth year of going to Georgia games. This is the hottest game I remember. Do you guys remember games hotter than this? The LSU game was a little hot, but man, this one, it was roasty from the get-go. You knew it was bad when the biggest cheer in the first quarter came when the cloud cover came over. You could hear, and you're, you're looking around going, why is everybody cheering? And then you realize, like, oh, there's a cloud cover, and it felt fine after that. Yeah, I can and breathe. Course, That's why yeah, everyone's yeah. cheering, as everyone as I can breathe. So, you know, movie the, the Missouri game, which all we've just kind of been joking about, like, oh, Missouri Midwesterners, uh, they, they looked actually a little better against a team that is actually probably better than the, than the one, they, as good as they were uh, in their first week. Right now... Vanderbilt would make me nervous after a game like that yesterday. South Carolina, maybe not South Carolina, but uh, but Vanderbilt would make me nervous after a game like that. Do you think this is just a matter of obviously Kirby and the staff is gonna are gonna be all over them uh, all week, and and certainly there will be no. I think they actually dropped five five spots in the coaches poll down to fourteen, which as I've listened, I listened to you guys show this week, and Tony, you mentioned that nine seemed high, fourteen does seem about right, even even after the game yesterday. So clearly they're going to be after them for the next week. But do you feel like these are all things that can be corrected in a week or in two weeks? Remember, now it's you know Missouri, Mississippi, and Tennessee just like that. 
I hope we'll open it up some more. I mean, it, it felt like we ran an awful lot of three tight end sets, and I get that we were just trying to stay base to the extent we could. As a matter of fact, that last drive uh, that resulted in the Easton interception, I felt like we opened up the offense a lot more. And, and you know, it was a very workmanlike drive. We went 70 yards, and we managed the, the clock really well on that drive. Uh, I thought it was t- – up until the interception, I thought it was Easton's best drive. But, you know, this is the kind of game that coaches uh, – they they don't love for the you know heartburn factor. Ooh, ooh, I would not want to be a conditioning drills uh, tomorrow. No, no way. Because there is a there's an awful lot of work on. And other than Rodrigo's blank and ships four touchbacks, I don't think there's really positives. Well, I, I think I'm positive on Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, he, he made a mistake two, on the punt. Two big two, mistakes. Two, I, two. I, I, I was getting there. I was getting there. <laughs> he made a mistake on the punt return. He, it's almost like he jumped a little bit. And it hit his shoulder pad, and then of course the uh, kickoff. Yeah, had he not touched that ball, we would have had that one. That really one was even dumber. Position. I think that one may have even been dumber. But yeah. I will take, in, and I, maybe I'm in the minority. I will take the good with the bad for Isaiah because he is so electric, and you saw what he can do for you. And those things that he did, where he makes mistakes, those can be fixed. But he has that natural ability just to, whenever he touches the ball. To take it to the house. So I'm not worried about Isaiah McKenzie. I'm pretty sure he's going to get that covered. They've just got to start reacting instead of thinking. I think Isaiah McKenzie is thinking too much on his punt and kick returns right now. All right. Well, any any final takeaways from this? I mean, I'm sort of hoping that this is – I would love it. The simple – the Oxum Razor idea of this is they just were too up on the game. And listen, Kirby Smart after the game said, I wasn't – like, I didn't do a great job coaching. We did not do a good job preparing them. And my argument is, yeah, I, I believe all of that. I absolutely believe all of that. True. That's true. This is still a team. Even if you are not focused and you are not concentrating and you are not into the game, you should beat by 24 points. So that to me, that's the worrisome part about this game. But again, the good news is you can have a nightmare, terrible game like this where everything goes wrong and it doesn't end in a loss. And I know that's a, that's a low bar. But listen, this, this could have been a true nightmare. And and it, it was only a near nightmare. Yeah, Kirby Smart is not Mike Gundy today. Yes, yes, he's, yeah. Though though, to be fair, Ugh. yes. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible, what a terrible way to have that go down. And it's funny because I, whenever there's a play like that, and, and and something really exciting like that happens that shouldn't have happened on a play at the end of that. There's still a part of me that's glad it went down that way because we got to watch that play. That play yeah. was amazing. Like the world is a better place because that play exists, even if – and it's just sorry for Oklahoma State that they're the ones that had to suffer it. But listen, you know, the way yesterday was going, Saturday was going for Georgia, Yep. You, yep. I was like, man, yep. don't even give them one last play. That's <laughs> like right. don't even give them one last play because the way that everything was be- just bouncing. And again, to be fair, I, I agree that Georgia played terribly. Also, a bunch of little things went really wrong in a way that was that that was that was that was frustrating and, and worrisome. That might not go wrong every way. That is a game where everything went wrong for Oklahoma State as well, but they don't get to walk away and say um, that they won. Though, I, even though Georgia really, it, it's a win. It's officially a win. Even uh, almost 24 hours later, it still doesn't feel like a win. I was about to say, you know, and we'll get to Missouri this week. It feels a lot like if Easton starts this week, 
one, we were lacking sideline leadership. And it's hard for freshmen to do that, but it feels like that this is the week if Easton starts that he gets to do that. Because we go out to Columbia and they take the floaties off the offense and just kind of let them go. Let's do this. You know what? If we go out there and lose because the offense is, is too much or whatever, fine. But we're not going to go out there and play our base and dare Missouri to stop us because they can. I think we could see a, a kind of a change in this team. If we see that, I'll be very excited about it. If we see the same old, no one's really getting each other psyched up on the sideline and, and people are just going to show up because we got a G on the helmet and win, then I'll be really worried about what happens the rest of the season. Agreed. Agreed. Tony, how much are you in love with Burt Belima right now? Oh my gosh. That guy. <laughs> that guy. Let me tell you something. He, it, I would love to go to Vegas with him. I mean, he is the kind of guy that says, you know, I got one black chip left. Let's put it on, let's put it on 32 and see what happens. And just, you know, the, the next thing you know, you're in a limo riding to Los Angeles and Pete Diddy's in there with you. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he is. And that game was – I turned it on. I'd been watching the, the Battle of Bristol, and I thought, you know, that Arkansas-Texas Christian game is pretty close. I saw it just in time for Kenny Trill Hill to come through and, and do the second sl- throat slash and, and, and cost his team. And then I thought, well, that's it. You know, Ar- Arkansas is done for. And then, huh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, bet he, I bet he burned down a minibar last night. <laughs> and definitely a better Saturday all around for the SEC. Some good yes. things. And though, as a Georgia fan, like not only did Tennessee look better, it kind of looked like they found themselves. Like it looked like they figured it out. Like no, it, they still have Butch Jones as coach. I know, but it's like, you know, the first like for basically six quarters or maybe five and a half quarters, it looked like man, Tennessee. They 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 may just actually not be even close to what they were. The second half of that game, they looked like Tennessee again, and that's why the the SEC East is going to be really hard to win. <laughs> I think yeah. we all we all know that. So well, speaking of, it looks like LSU found a quarterback too. So yes, yes. Yeah. from uh. Purdue. From Purdue, where all the good quarterbacks come from. Yes, and also I will say the last thing. We'll close with this. I was I did find myself thinking. Well, the good news of Georgia playing so poorly against Nichols is uh, maybe North Carolina is not as good as we thought they were, and my Alana will have a chance. And I was wrong. <laughs> uh, played terribly. West Lunt was horrible in that game. He was ab- like like Illinois actually did not play that terribly, but West Lunt, the, the quarterback, the guy that's the guy that Mike Gundy had at Oklahoma State was supposed to be this great four star quarterback here in his fifth year redshirt senior year was horrible. So that is why Illinois lost to North Carolina. Um, and the last thing I want to note here, by the way. Um, I was looking at ESPN Insider today. Uh, they have this thing they're going to be doing every week where they're going to be ranking uh, college football teams by their likelihood of going undefeated. This is something they're going to do this year. No, so number one on that list was, in fact, uh, Alabama, as you might suspect. In the top ten were Western Michigan. Uh, Illinois uh, team next week and Georgia. Georgia is actually the ninth most likely team to go undefeated, though to be fair that's still like 6% chance so keep that in mind as well. I figured we'd be ranked behind a team that's already lost. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly felt that way yesterday. It still feels like Georgia actually lost, but they didn't, so they're 2-0, and and listen, beat Missouri, Mississippi, Tennessee, then the Nichols game turns into the well, the way that Nick Saban was talking about it, it becomes the moment around which everything pivots. So hopefully, you know, things will go better after things went better for Nick Saban's 9-11 than maybe for everybody else's did. So anyway, uh, that's enough of that. So have a great week, everyone. Uh, and we're going to be back. To, are, we, are we OK Tuesday? Can I, will you guys welcome me back or did missing one show uh, close your hearts to me forever?
We'll have to check the ratings on our no, show. No, no, don't look at the numbers. <laughs> it was at the most. I, I, I was probably imagine it being the most liked episode on SoundCloud. <laughs> you guys had. We finally got rid of that Yankee leech. Yeah, we were playing George Strait and uh, Jerry Reed. And we had a good time. All right. Well, all right, well, I will be back with you guys for the pregame show uh, this week. But mostly, uh, listen. No matter what happens, they're two and zero. That's right. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thanks so much for listening to our 50th episode. I think I can speak for Will and Tony in saying that we truly enjoy getting together twice a week, sometimes more, during the football season and sharing our opinions on the state of Georgia football with you, our listeners. This might be a bit presumptuous of me, but as a loyal listener, if you're wondering if there was anything you could do for us, you can. Take five minutes or less and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. If you're an Android guy or girl like Tony, <laughs> like Tony is, he has Android, you can subscribe via SoundCloud or simply tell, I don't know, eight or nine of your friends about the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. That would be awesome. Should you want to tweet our show, you can do so by hitting us up at WSLS Podcast. If you want to reach out to Tony, you can find him at Tyler Dogden, that's D-A-W-G-D-E-N. Will is at William F. Leach, that's L-E-I-T-C-H, and as for myself, I'm at Jawavi Films. That's J-A-W-A-V-I Films. UGA has a tough road game at Missouri on Saturday night, so tune in later this week for a comprehensive game preview from all three of us as Georgia travels out to the Midwest to face the Tigers for their first SEC game of the season. That's it. Episode 50 is in the books. Go dogs! We'll see you on campus, and that is the rest of the story. Good day. I hope I did Mr. Harvey proud by that good day. I'm not going to edit that part. That's for you and me to hear. (laughs) Take care.